Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Studio B today on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. It is a busy Monday over here at the headquarters uh, for the Saints and the Pelicans, namely, or I said primarily, on the basketball side. As it seems like, I think for the first time this year, the Pelicans are in the middle of a home back-to-back. Big win yesterday at the Smoothie King Center. The Pelicans knocked off the Dallas Mavericks 109-106. And we're right back at it tonight. Pelicans and 76ers at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center as well. Two games over 500 now, 23-21. and 21. As Daniel Salerson pointed out to me last night, first time the Pelicans have been two games over 500 since November the 22nd. Last night's win also uh, got you uh, your first three-game win streak of the year. You have as many wins uh, in against the most powerful division uh, in the NBA as you do against the East. You can take that one way or the other. We'll discuss that with Joel Myers coming up. Um, but any, anyway, it was a, an unbelievable win. Huge, huge stuff off the bench from Ryan Anderson with 18 in the first half. Quincy Pondexter really carried some of the weight with 14 including five rebounds, and then the big guns really stepped up. While Gordon only had nine points last night, you'll hear here shortly, he had a massive three to tie the game at 102 late, and then Tyreek Evans had a double-double with 24 points, 12 assists, uh, including a bucket in an isolation play against Richard Jefferson that also was key down the stretch, and then the big fellow, the all-star starter, Anthony Davis. Whoa. 28-10 last night, only one block shot, but none bigger in the game than what he did down the uh, lane, uh, swatting away Monte Ellis, who was on his way to breaking your heart again. He also had a big steal. Uh, as a matter of fact, he had, that's one of five for the night, and he hit four huge free throws down the stretch to help the Pelicans beat the Mavericks for the first time in, well, they had lost nine straight, so there you go. So the tenth time was the charm, and, uh, and it sets things up now with Philly here tonight and Denver here on Wednesday. All right, so plenty more regarding the Pelicans. We'll do so by hearing from head coach Monty Williams and Anthony Davis himself. Then we'll bring in Joel Myers, who called the game on television last night. And then, of course, it is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week, yes, finally, 
from Glendale, Arizona. It's Steve White from the NFL Network to begin our coverage of that, Patriots and um, Seahawks. We will ask Steve about Deflategate um, and how it relates to New Orleans, and we'll get the kind of the early report on what's going to happen across the next five to six days in preparation for the game. So a busy show for you here on this Monday. Uh, before we go to the break, I want to give you a sampling of how it sounded on the radio last night, and then we'll take the break and come back with Coach Williams and Anthony Davis. But as we take you to the end of our first segment, here's a little taste of what it sounded like in winning fashion last night. Devin Harris has checked in. He'll give it up to Chandler. Back to the right wing. Lob for the rim. Ashik messed that up. Tipped it away from Chandler. Numbers to the other end. Evans on the break to Davis. Alley-oop. Lob to the rim. And that... That gets this crowd to its feet with 5.53 left in the first. Timeout on the floor. That young man ought to get two claps and a Ric Flair for that one right there. Ronald scoops to Jefferson wing left, takes the dribble to the top of the floor, throws front court right for Berea. Mavericks lead by two. Berea to Powell, wing left for two. Good. Just like that, the Pelicans, who led by 10 in the first, are down four, 38-34. Evans, a lot of dribbling, throws to Anderson. Angle right for three. Bang! Anderson has not been this hot in a long time. And it's 61 to 54, thanks to Ryan Anderson's 18 in the half. Gordon throws to Cunningham, jump shot left of the key, short. Long rebound, Davis, swing left. Spins to get it away from Rondo. Up top, Gordon for three. Off the back of the rim, no good. Rebound, Davis, back up and dunks with two hands. You heard me, woo! Anthony Davis with 18 and six. They're shooting at the end of our right. Tyson Chandler jumps to catch it left of the key. Makes a pass back door to Chandler Parsons. Resets to Nowitzki, top of the floor. Give quickly to Monte Ellis, chased by Gordon defensively. Ellis fires for three straight away. Got it. And with that, we are tied with five and a half minutes to play. Evans on the dribble, top of the arc. Both teams have a foul to give underneath two minutes. 135 to play. Throw to Gordon. Wing right three ball. Good! Ties the game in 102. And Gordon, who had been quiet most all night, it's a huge three, nine points for Gordon and a full timeout called by Dallas. Under Gordon, out of Davis, left of the key. Quickly gives to Tyreek Evans, isolated on Richard Jefferson, left of the lane. Pass fake, drives across the lane. Scoop with the right hand, tipped, and he goes in. And the Pelicans lead on Evans' make with 23.4 seconds left. It's 105-104, and Dallas will use a timeout. Everybody on their feet. Here's Ellis driving down the right side of the lane, goes to the rim, high arcing lob to the rack is a good layup with a touch off the highest part of the backboard to avoid Oshik. Rondo trying to get it into Ellis. They double team Ellis, can't, throw it in toward Nowitzki. Tipped by Davis, ball's loose at half court. Davis got it, called timeout. He called timeout with 9.4 seconds left. Davis with the steal may have just secured the win for New Orleans. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight tomorrow night, Monday, January 26th at 7 p.m. when the Philadelphia 76ers come to town. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, appearances by Pierre the Pelican, Pelicans dance team members, and a whole bunch more. Tickets start as low as $11. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, 
Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz, and we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Nine ties, eight lead changes, sold-out crowd. They were on their feet and loud last night. Uh, it was fantastic at the Smoothie King Center. Again, uh, still to come, Steve Leitch from the NFL Network and Joel Myers from Fox Sports New Orleans. But now some post-game reaction from the Pelicans' win over the Dallas Mavericks last night. Here's head coach Monty Williams following the 109-106 thriller. A big step for our program, our, all of our guys, and, and we knew it would be a tough uh, playoff-type game. Uh, we, got all, we got a lead, and um, I just knew we weren't going to blow them out. And uh, when they did make a run and um, took the lead, you know, our guys had a chance to fold. And um, we just reminded our guys that all we had to do was get a score and a stop, and then it was back on them. And so you look at the numbers, uh, they really don't tell the whole story because we had so many guys contribute tonight, uh, Quincy and Dante's defense. You know, if you look at Dante's numbers, he only scored two points, but defensively, he was pretty good. Quincy was decent all night long, and, you know, Tyreek and AD and Eric have been carrying us as of late. Coach Anthony Davis is clearly the franchise player, and he played like that down the stretch. Yeah, he, he was telling guys to get him the ball. You know, we were trying to get it to him, but they, they do a good job of uh, playing playoff defense, physically trying to, you know, put their hands on him and keep him from getting the ball. Then when he did get it, you know, he came through. Uh, it takes a lot to knock down those free throws the way that he did. And the defensive play at the end where he stole the ball, it got the deflection, then he and Q just fought for it. And then AD got the ball and had the wherewithal to call timeout. You know, most 21-year-olds don't play like that. You decided to start that play by what? Doubling, pinching what, on Ellis? Well, we, we call it pre-switch. And so <clears throat> just watching them play over the years, you know they like to try to get him the ball with his right hand. So we told the guy guarding the ball, you know, he can pre-switch out to take him out so he couldn't get the ball. And then the guy that was on Monta just go to the inbounder. And uh, fortunately, it worked for us. It's not a cure-all but it kept him from getting the ball where he wanted it to. And then A.D., you know, at the end, he just physically stayed with Dirk, and they tried to throw it over top of him. And you got to throw a good pass to get it over top of A.D. Coach, you've seen some heartbreakers here. Late-game situations not go your way this season. Yeah. Is this the best that your guys have handled a late-game situation this season? Uh, I don't have time. to. I mean, I'm not sure if I can think of all the late game. But I do know, you know, when they go down by three, um, it's – it, you could fold against a team like Dallas. So Eric coming back and hitting that three kind of gave us life. And so you could say that. You could say it was a, a huge win for us. I don't know if it's the best one, but it is right now because it's, it's so, uh, so present and clear. Coach talked about it. We did, too, in the first segment of today's Black and Blue Report. Anthony Davis, sensational. Here was Anthony Davis with the media following the win. Big win. You know, everybody contributed, played. Um, you know, with their hearts, um, and it's a big team win. You know, division opponent. You know, um, team that's in our conference. You know, a team that um, that's up there. And we, you know, trying to get you know, knock some of them teams down. So um, it was it was fun. You know, and um, but we gotta enjoy it for a couple hours. You know, and then we gotta come back and um, 
you know, got another one with Philly, um, knowing what they did to us, you know, out there. Obviously, you put this on your shoulders down the stretch to win this game, to pull it out. Um, I tried to play hard. Uh, big free throws, you know, steals, rebounds, you know, whatever the team needed me to do, I tried to do, and, you know, we came up with the win. Can you talk about this thing? Coach, you know, said it perfect in the huddle. You know, we was gonna go on our norm, normal package, you know, but you know, he, he made a great call and said, you know, whoever's on the ball, take Monte out. You know, don't don't let him get it. And um, you know, the next Alston was gonna be Dirk, and all our assistant coaches did a great job of you know telling us what they like to run at the in the game situations. All right, back at it tonight. That means we're all getting ready for. The uh, 76ers, and uh, also deep in game prep is Joel Myers from Fox Sports New Orleans. He'll take a few minutes for us here next. Hi, I'm Lisa Albright. I'm 36 years old. I had the perfect life. It was everything I ever dreamed about until two weeks ago. I was standing in line at the grocery store, leaning over to empty my cart when I heard it. Mommy, why are her pants too big in the back? And that's when it hit me. I'm wearing mom jeans. Never again. I will look hot in yoga pants. That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new Firm and Burn chocolate peanut butter smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get into those yoga pants. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Sign of Mardi Gras, baby. <laughs> Just something about the tradition of it all. Even though Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew scratch off from the lottery, you could be feeling like a king with up to $3,000 or even $12,000 in your back pocket. Stop and pick up Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew today. Now that's better than the good beans, baby. Must be at least 21 to purchase. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Well, there have been a lot of fun nights so far in the Smoothie King Center this uh, this season, but last night's got to be near the top of the list as the Pelicans took down the Dallas Mavericks to get the two games over 500. Joel Myers called it on Fox Sports New Orleans last night. Joel, how much fun did you have with that ball game last night? It had a playoff atmosphere. You know that. And everybody was up. These people were ready. Uh, there is no question. The support of these fans has been amazing. And it was nice, as I said to David at the end of the night, it was nice that they, they stood up and the guys weren't let, going to let them down. And everybody was on their feet throughout the last minute or so. Uh, there were so many moments in the, the final two or three minutes of that game, as you know, Sean. I don't know if they'd be without Eric Gordon's three in the corner at the end of the shot clock at 102.99. People kind of forget about that. But what Anthony Davis did in the final minute, I mean – that kid, I keep forgetting he's 21. He is that amazing. Final minute, he had a block, a steal, a rebound. He had four clutch free throws in the final 12.3. I mean, we could do a show all, all by itself on AD, couldn't we? No doubt, no doubt. And, and because of the way that he played last night, Joel, I asked Coach Williams after the game, I said, is that your best late game uh, performance yet this season? Think about some of the failures that have happened. Did, did the Pelicans finally get it all together at the right time? They had to. Uh, first of all, it's a division opponent, and they couldn't let that get away. After playing that well over the first three quarters and the assist to, to makes ratio they had over the first 36 minutes of play, you didn't want it. I mean, your heart was starting to sink. You didn't want it to disintegrate after you played that effectively and that efficiently. And to play a clean, I mean, nearly a 10 turnovers for the game. 
So, you know, they're facing a team that leads the league in points off turnovers. They're not letting them get points off turnovers. They did all things right. And then all of a sudden the ball stopped a little bit. And it got it was sticking out on the perimeter. And it was a lot of guys were dribbling. Not one guy. It was as a group. They win and they lose as a team. And last night it was a team. I mean, AD got it done down the stretch. But, I mean, Tyreek, he's got 12 assists to three turnovers. And he's a scorer more than a lead. You and I both know that. Mm-hmm. So his assist to turnover is 4-1 to one last night. That's big for him to go along with the big bucket he hit. Uh, to give the Pelicans that one point late at that point with a little slingshot over his shoulder in front of the rim. Uh, but he, we could go down the list. Ashik is 11 boards. Uh, Coupon off the bench. Quincy Pondexter has been a revelation. I, I could do a show on him myself. I, I love his energy. And what he and Cunningham have done at the free position and the athleticism, the way they've changed things at the free position, it's dramatic difference now to watch this team. Perfect. Lead into my next question. You know, they've won four of their last five here, and Monty Williams during this stretch has really shortened that rotation. If you take away Agence's four minutes last night, he really only plays eight guys. Um, is that because of the, the performance on the wing that you're referring to? Is this a trust issue? What's going on with that, do you think? Well, I, I, it's crunch time for this team. And I don't know if it's a trust issue. I think it's matchups. It's crunch time. And there's a lot of factors involved. And it's going to be situations down the road they're going to need a Jensa. so he's got to be ready and he's a pro Jimmer Fredette's ready Luke Babbitt's ready I mean to watch these guys in pregame like you and I do for 90 minutes two hours before everybody walks into the building these are really they're great pros they care they're going to be ready if Monty calls them so uh, right now I don't mind tightening up the rotation because the roles are clearly defined uh, but this is a time where you have to capitalize if you're going to make a postseason push. And I mentioned that, Sean, because over the next couple of weeks, while the Pelicans are at home, they're trying to catch Phoenix. Phoenix is right now the target. They're the eight seed. Pelicans are not. Phoenix, over the next five games, they've got Washington on Wednesday. Friday, they've got the Chicago Bulls. Those are two home games. They're both difficult, but they're at home for them. Then they go on the road to Golden State on Saturday, second of a back-to-back. Phoenix then is back home on Monday. But it's Memphis, and, and then they've got a few days off, but they're on the road, and they're at Portland. So five straight killer games for the Phoenix Suns, the team that is targeted right now because they're above the Pels. And the Pels have to get well at home. And they better get well tonight and on Wednesday with the Denver Nuggets. And I only bring that up because then you got a killer schedule coming up, the last three on the home stand. Yeah, no, after these next two, it's, it's uh, oh boy, it make your knees shake a little bit. Let's start with just tonight, though, as Joel Myers is with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Joel, as much as last night was one of the high points of the season, the loss at Philadelphia perhaps is near the bottom. Um, so with that in mind, you have a little uh, bad taste in your mouth that you can get rid of tonight. Well, they better be prepared. <laughs> and I, I just got off a conference call with all our Fox people, and I said, guys, get ready. I said, I'm building things for the second half. I hope I, I need them all. I hope it's a fill. I hope the Pelicans are up by 20 or 30 points. They can't afford the start they had. I mean, they fell down 16 points in Philadelphia. They were flat as a pancake in that game. They gave up 33 in the first quarter. Now they rallied back to get within three at the half, but they should have never put themselves in that position. They have too much talent. They're too good a team. So now it, it's consistency from game to game, whether it's Philadelphia or whoever and I bring that up because I still can't believe they're only right now 
six and ten against Eastern Conference teams. Mm-hmm. Pelicans have to do better and capitalize. Uh, it's really been brutal. They've faced some very good Eastern Conference teams on the road, but two and nine on the road against the East, uh, where they're four and one at home against the East. They have to capitalize, take advantage of the Eastern Conference. They've got out of the way a lot of tough games on the road against the East. Now, uh, get well at home against teams like Philadelphia. Don't even give them any confidence over the first 12 minutes of play, and especially over the first 24 minutes. Excel to the point where they're discouraged and the game's over by halftime to a certain extent. And, and that's the way to get it out. Lock it out. Wash it out right away. And I think Monty got into that a little bit in the locker room because I picked up on some of his comments after the game. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's crazy. You have as many wins in the Southwest Division as you do against the Eastern Conference, which is is remarkable and disturbing at the same time. Um, Joel, I had a, a very good basketball person. I'm not going to name names, but I had a very good basketball person tell me that even as bad as Philadelphia has been this season, that's the kind of team that gives the Pelicans fits. It's because of their athleticism. Um, what do you do to overcome that tonight? Other than the mental aspect of hey, we gotta we gotta take care of our own here. Well, first of all, the, the Pelicans' pace last night was really encouraging. Uh, if anything, they've slowed down the game recently, and it was great to see them score over 100 points for the first time over the last six. And and that had to do with the opponent uh, scoring 108 a game coming in. So Dallas wants to move it a little bit more. There's going to be more possession, more shot opportunities. So it was great to see 109 on the board for the Pelicans. But now they face a team that self-destructs. They lead the league in turnovers. They give up about 19 a game. They had 24 in their last game. Uh, Force the issue. Don't back off. If anything, force them into more mistakes and put pressure on them because they will disintegrate. They're a very young team. They can be athletic as they want, but they make a lot of mistakes. So force the issue. Put them in positions where they're going to have more and more mistakes like Memphis did the other night. Memphis put the game away. It was a huge second quarter for Memphis a couple of nights ago when they beat them Saturday night in Memphis, and they put them away. They discouraged them, and that's the key. Uh, It shouldn't be a problem. Uh, The Pelicans are a young athletic team, so if anything, it shouldn't be a problem facing a young, inexperienced athletic team. It's great stuff as always. Why don't you just come on every day so we can talk hoops all the time? Is that fair? Well, you know me. I was watching all the games we got off last night. And what a finish to the overtime game uh, watching last night, Washington. A uh, real good finish to that game. So uh, the league is at a really good point right now, Sean, as you know. There's a lot of great stories. The Atlanta Hawks, who we'll see coming up, they're at the top of the list. It's amazing what Mike Budenholzer and that group have done. Without a doubt. I, and I just love having um, this quality of play before the All-Star break. Everybody says – Everybody says, well, wait till the after the All-Star break. Well, we don't have to this year. It's been great. Yeah, and the all, before the All-Star break, we're going to have a pretty good idea of the Pels' chances mm-hmm. about what's going to happen in the, the last 30 for the Pelicans, their opportunity to make the postseason. And hopefully, it's going to be a real good opportunity because it's a more user-friendly schedule. Up until the first of the year, it was pretty tough. And then we talked about 9 of 15 in January against sub-500. Well, Take advantage of it at home right now with eight of the next nine on your home floor. And the Pelicans have been phenomenal at home. I don't have to tell you, 14 and 5, keep it rolling. Maintain that momentum and let people know. Uh, David and I have talked about it on our telecast. The Pelicans, to succeed this year, needed to get about 30 wins on their home floor in that neighborhood and 
close to 500 on the road. Well, they're not there, but maybe they'll make up for it at 9 and 16 on the road. But uh, more than anything right now, capitalize at home. Have a great call tonight, my friend. You too, Sean. Thank Thank you very much. Joel Myers with us from Fox Sports New Orleans. Joel, we'll be happy to see you at the Smoothie King Center tonight. It was a sellout last night, and tickets for tonight's ballgame start as low as $11 for the uh, Sixers and the Pelicans. First of three more to go here at home this week. All right, we'll turn the page, and when we come back, we'll talk a little NFL with Steve White from the NFL Network right after this. Mardi Gras is just around the corner, and Shreveport Bossier City invites you to experience Mardi Gras in the Arklatex, starting with the Crew of Centaur Parade on Saturday, February 7th. Cap it off with the Crew of Gemini Parade on Saturday, February 14th. Check out hotels and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. All right, welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As promised, we'll turn our attention to the NFL a little bit. We've got some key folks uh, joining us all week long to help us get ready for the big game. Uh, in we Phoenix call it No Appointment week. Radio. And, of course, You're we listening would not, to the Black and Blue Report. Bring back Steve White one more time here before the season concludes. Steve White from the NFL Network back to join us here on the Black and Blue Report. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Sean. Thanks for having me on again. Tell me what the weather in Phoenix is like. <laughs> well, it's actually overcast today, but it's still about 68 going to be gorgeous. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why they're having the Super Bowl here. Uh, and the roof is supposed to be open on game day, so I'm, I'm sure it's about going to be about quality of weather as, as it can be. Outstanding. I, you know, I, I think that's so important. I think that's a great feel. I think it's going to be great for those people in the Northeast that are about to be under two to three feet of snow to see an outdoor football game on this coming Sunday. Yeah, thank goodness the Super Bowl is not in New York, New Jersey this year. Can you, you know, imagine? Like it was last year, because oh. it doesn't sound good. And, you know, we got to wish, wish the best for all those folks up there, because it's... Uh, I say, and it sounds like it's going to be like some, some biblical snow falling down. Uh, yeah, no thanks. Um, I'm glad that we just got out of there on the basketball side just last week. So all's well then. Um, so from one warm city to the next, and uh, hopefully you won't get mad at me, but you and I have not talked since the whole uh, inflatable football situation goes with the Patriots. But uh, as mad as you are going to be at me, I do want to ask you about it. Um, what, what do you think we'll hear of it this week? It seems like it's not ready to go away just yet. It's not going to go away because it doesn't seem like we're going to get an answer from the NFL investigation until after the Super Bowl. So, you know, the, the shroud of what happened and things like that, it's, it's going to be there. I mean, even after the outcome of the game, the Patriots win. And then it's going to be found out after the fact that there was some intentional wrongdoing, and people are going to say it's a tainted Super Bowl victory, even though the balls for this game are going to be monitored and everything by the league. Um, if, if the Patriots lose, people are going to say, see, they had this blight of, of the deflated football scandal hanging over their head. They couldn't focus. So it, it's cast kind of um, 
a negative excuse, um, you know, o- over this thing. Now the Seahawks players, they arrived Sunday. They were like, it's not affecting us. You know, we have to prepare to stop a great quarterback, a very smart coach, and to play a very good team. But the Patriots, they're arriving Monday. They're going to be asked about it again. They, they spent all last week dealing with it. There's no way they're going to be able to deflect it because a lot of the media here wasn't up in New England last week, and they want to get answers. So that's what they're probably going to have to deal with when they have their media availability on Monday, and then they're going to try to move on. And Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, all these guys are going to use this as a galvanizing point because, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of people who had nothing to do with this, this whole issue um, who want to go out there and, and win a Lombardi trophy, be it their first, be it their – you know, their second, third, or fourth with this organization. So um, I, I think it would be a rallying point for the Patriots, and I think the Seattle Seahawks understand that uh, New England is not going to want to play this game or go out, you know, with, with some type of asterisk by this. So it's going to be a very good game. Steve, let me just say this. Here in New Orleans, whether people are saying it out loud or silently, they're saying if the NFL did to the Saints what they did, um, what's to come of this, and how is it different? Um, and I understand, I understand the way they feel. Does that match up with anything else other than what Troy Aikman had to say this past week? Uh, well, is there I, I, some angst there that is justified? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I think from what the Saints were, were put through, I mean, their, their coach was suspended for a year, and, and, and they were told that ignorance is no excuse. Um, I, you can understand why there's going to be hard feelings like that. I certainly do. And, you know, what's the one thing we hear, even though this doesn't fall under the personal conduct policy, what do we hear come out of the league office? Repeat offenders, repeat offenses, things like this. And after all of the scandals that have taken place, you know, from the Ray Rice stuff to the Greg Hardy stuff to Adrian Peterson, um, even some of the officiating stuff, the Des Bryant catch, to have something like this and to have with an organization that's been found guilty of impropriety before, um, I think how the league comes down on this is going to be very interesting. I mean, I think there's an assumption that it's going to be very hard for the investigation to pinpoint a single villain who deflated the footballs, um, that that could be hard. Um, so, therefore, there might not be a finger to point. Still, um, there's going to have to be some answer, and I think because of everything that happened this year and the league saying it wants to regain trust of its fan base and its fans, there's going to have to be something that, that's got to be somewhat tolerable. I think if there's a question mark looming over all of this and all is said and done, it's just going to be another kind of bad mark on what's happened with the way the, uh, the NFL has investigated and adjudicated things with the league this year. Steve White from the NFL Network with us. Let's get to the game because that's probably a more pleasant conversation. What's the most? No, we can talk about anything, man. We, yeah. we can go anywhere with this. I appreciate <laughs> it. You were a good sport for me, starting with that topic. But I just felt like I wanted to hear what you had to say. Um, as far as the game itself goes, now, now we're into finally game week. We know these two teams. Um, what excites you most about what could happen on Sunday evening? Wow. Um, you know, first off, Marshawn Lynch. Um, I just think he's fantastic. He, he's become kind of the you know, the, the, the guy everyone either loves or loves to hate. Uh, and to see if he can do this against a good Patriots team. Because Seattle, everything Seattle does kind of stems from him. So I'm excited to see him. I think the quarterback play. I, I think Tom Brady, look, this guy can win his fourth Super Bowl. And if he does, he's right there in the greatest conversation of the best quarterback ever, where he belongs. He's already there. So 
But I mean, this is this is a rubber stamp. You know, where it comes down, okay, is it him or Joe Montana? This could be a hard argument. Um, so I think that factors into the storyline. But also, let's go to Russell Wilson. Here's a guy who's not asked to do what Tom Brady does, but in you know, twice in three years at the beginning of his career, this guy could take a team to the Super Bowl. So there's some great storylines. I'm very intrigued by the quarterback play here, but also the chess match between the coaches because. You know, we've seen Bill Belichick put all kind of crazy stuff on tape from the eligible and eligible receivers, trick plays. To be Carroll doing similar things with the trick plays on special teams and things like that. So, um, you know, the X's and O's and the strategy are really going to, I think, come into this game maybe more than we've seen some others. Maybe since, you know, Sean Payton decides to open the second half, you know, against the Colts with an onside kick. Mm-hmm. Who has the advantage? Is it is it too early to tell? Is it is it the Super Bowl and you can't tell? I mean, if if you were to lean one way or the other, who has a grip on this thing more than the other guy? Oh my gosh! I mean, now, now we're splitting atoms because yeah. these two teams are are so identical. I would probably say, uh, you know, the Patriots, just because they're so solid in, in everything. Um, like if their running game doesn't work, then the Tom Brady can throw it. If, if their passing game is being stifled by the Legion of Boom, then, then they can they should be able to run it a little bit. You know, their secondary is excellent. You know, with Seattle, so much is predicated on their run game, be it Russell Wilson or Marshawn Lynch. You know, we saw last week for for three and three quarters of a game that Seattle, you know, if it's passing game, if it has to rely on its passing game, you know, then they could be a little shaky. The defense is going to keep them involved, but. You know, I, I think the Patriots, they have, you know, a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D just based on the strengths of their overall team. That's why I'd give them, I mean, the slightest of edge if we have to break it down like that. Steve, the fact that the, both teams have been through this before, um, and most recently the Seattle Seahawks, does that become a non-story then, this preparation all week long in Phoenix, or is it now a story because there is no story? You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. The reason why it's a story is because Seattle has has a chance to become the first team to repeat since the Patriots. I mean, we know how hard it is for teams to get there, and and Seattle's kind of bordering on on history in that regard. But in terms of learning one thing from the other, sure, the experience of of going through this week and everything helps. But the one reason that it's so similar, the one real common thread with these teams and why they're here, is Belichick and Pete Carroll do the best job of keeping their teams focused week to week um, than any other coaches in the NFL as to where every game is big. And I think Pete Carroll said his best a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, there, there, to me, there, there, there's, you know, you can't put more importance on one game than the other because that means one game is less important than, than the other. And, and that's why they coach. So I think coming into this game, both these teams are going to be just so locked in because that's what they've done for 16 games this season. They're not breaking any any traditional patterns in, in any type of mindset or practice or anything they do. So that's where their experience, you know, just kind of comes in. You know, if we want to, if we want to walk that path leading up to the game. Steve, uh, fans uh, starting probably today are going to be inundated, uh, and they'll look for it too um, with the coverage coming out of the valley. Um, for the big game on Sunday. What about NFL Network? What are you and your guys up to this week that we should probably point out and make sure the fans are aware that they want to take it in? Well, appreciate that. We're going coast to coast. You know, from NFL AM, uh, we have a special Super Bowl Live right after NFL AM. The NFL AM goes from, uh, let's see, your six, from 5 to 9 Central Time. Mm-hmm. So then from 9 until 
uh, two or three Central Time will be Super Bowl Live, where we'll have coverage from all over the events, from media day to all the local press conferences, practices, but we know no practice footage, but things like that. And then we'll go to Total Access. They have a special thing that kind of highlights the events of what's going on. It's going to be called Super Bowl Tonight, which Melissa Stark and Deion Sanders will be co-hosting. So that'll kind of bring you some of the ancillary activity that's going on surrounding the game. Outstanding. So we're coast to coast, man. We, you know, nonstop. I, I, I can only imagine. There will be no golf this week, will there? Unfortunately, no. You had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> Sorry, I, you know. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you squeezing us in here today. We wanted to start the week off right with you, as we like to do, and um, we'll be looking for you all across the board here on NFL Network this week, Steve. Okay, appreciate it, Sean. Yep. Steve Weich with us from the NFL Network, live and direct from the Valley of the Sun, as the NFL Network and everybody else is getting ready for the big Super Bowl action this Sunday between the Seahawks and the Patriots. We'll have something for you every day on the Black and Blue Report as we go along. We're going to call upon some of the big names that cover the NFL that have joined us all season long on the Black and Blue Report to kind of help us uh, taste it, uh, feel it, gain some insight as we get set for what should be. I think it's going to be just a fantastic game on Sunday at, uh, it's Daniel, it's the University of Phoenix Stadium, whatever. Uh, Or what does Chris Berman call it? The big toaster in the roaster. Yes. Very nice. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. A lot of fun here today talking about the Pelicans and, of course, Super Bowl week. Hold on. I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves the table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelican save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Our thanks again to Steve White from the NFL Network for joining us from Phoenix. By the way, speaking of Phoenix, yesterday was the Pro Bowl, by the way. And uh, boy, did the Saints make a good showing there. Drew Brees had two touchdown passes. I think Jimmy Graham had two touchdown receptions. Mark Ingram rushed for more than 70 yards, which is remarkable in a Pro Bowl situation. So uh, our guys represented very well yesterday. I, I, I still wish we'd go back to AFC, NFC, this whole Team Irvin, Team whoever it was. Um, you know, uh, was it Chris Carter's team? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It doesn't do a whole lot for me. But, again, sure was proud of our guys uh, there at the uh, Pro Bowl yesterday. So congratulations to them. Hope they had a great week with their families and uh, their friends around the league. There, there's, uh, there's something to be said for that. There's a celebration of the game in that, even if you don't care for the Pro Bowl itself, uh, let's let's not forget that that's a vital part, I think, of the uh, the calendar year, the league's calendar year. So, with that being said, uh, more coverage tomorrow regarding the Super Bowl. And, of course, we'll wrap up the uh, Pelicans and the Sixers tomorrow from Studio B here in Metairie. Um, the weather, 
Well, the weather in the Northeast is already now postponed. Two NBA games tonight, both Brooklyn and uh, New York's games. That would be the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, they were hosting, I think, uh, Portland and Sacramento, respectively. Um, they have now been postponed because of this blizzard that's coming in. I just started watching some of this coverage this morning, and, uh, you know, I had to I had to put the, the, the filter on because right now anything that has to do with weather is completely exaggerated, overblown, and sensationalized, as you know, but it sure seems like this is going to be a real nasty mess. And um, our thoughts and prayers are with them up in the Northeast because it could get rather ugly uh, and dangerous too, and uh, they would be doing the same for us if we were in, you know, one of our tropical weather situations. So keep that in mind here on this Monday. Otherwise, I hope you have a great rest of your Monday no matter where you are. We'd love to see you at the game tonight if possible. Otherwise, we'll see you on the radio, and uh, and you and – And me and Daniel and everybody else will reconvene tomorrow for another edition of the Black and Blue Report. Thanks to Joel Myers today, Daniel Salerson as well, Anthony Davis, Monty Williams, and you. And uh, we'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.